This podcast is all about reinventing your takeout delivery and catering business with innovations and ideas that break the status quo. With over 40 years of restaurant, hospitality, and franchisee experience, host TJ Shire and Sam Stanovich will interview top industry leaders to help you advance your off-premise business to the next level. This is the Takeout Delivery and Catering Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Takeout Delivery and Catering Show. My name is TJ Shear. I'm here with my partner, Sam Stanovich. But before we get started and introduce a rock star guest that we have, I wanted to give you an overview of what today's episode is going to cover. We're going to look at a high-level view of off-premises and the restaurant industry today talk about how to launch a ghost kitchen to create a strategic advantage, use technology and more importantly, digital advertising to drive off-premises sales, and some general advice to help brands deliver and drive the off-premises occasion. Before I get started, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Sam Stanovich. Sam? Hey, TJ, it's good to be back with you again, and I am super excited about today's episode in talking with Cali Barbecue and Sean. Just looking at the website, I haven't personally eaten there yet, but as soon as I get to Southern California, this is uh, one of my first stops on the menu, and Sean has just taken uh, the next level on so many different things, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, so this is going to reinforce many of the points of prior episodes that have come together. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome Sean to the show and to give us a little bit of his background and general overview of Cali Barbecue. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, we're glad to have you. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there in Cali Barbecue and kind of how you had to reinvent yourself and a little background for our listeners who may not be familiar with you. Sure, absolutely. So we opened a restaurant in 2008 at the height of the economic recession. And uh, everybody that we knew told us location, location, location. And they said that the location we picked was not an ideal location. Those were people in real estate, uh, industry professionals and close friends of mine, uh, successful people. And yet we we went all in and opened up a full service restaurant, sports bar, Um, And it was very difficult. You know, it was very difficult to build a business, build a brand, uh, build a quality product. It was an existing breakfast restaurant, 5,700 square feet. Uh, We started with 18 employees. We were open from 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. You know, we realized early on that we needed to learn how to do marketing um, and basically any kind of marketing. And I frequently talk about 2007 and that's uh, June 29th 2007 because that's it gives context to kind of our overall story and that that date do, do either of you know what happened on that date no. you probably don't but it's a it's a huge technology shift in the world and that was, that was the first iPhone so the first iPhone was released on June 29th 2007 and the reason I know that is because my son was born 10 10 years later and I was in the hospital googling anything significant that had happened and when I did that in 2017 I realized what we had done in our restaurant was we've really taken advantage of all the apps that have been built on that smartphone so Facebook um, Yelp, Google, uh, TripAdvisor, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, you name it, we've used it and we continue to use it and we continue to tell digital stories to become essentially what we are now, which is a barbecue media company. Uh, We host a podcast, we have a YouTube show, um, we blog, we put out content to help other restaurant owners. 
basically live this thesis that we talk about, which is digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital first and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. The blending of both of those things is where all the action is happening. So people that are online and taking care of customers online, transferring what they do in their restaurants and what what they do in their restaurants and then doing that online, those are the ones that are finding a lot of success. And technology is enabling us to do a lot of things that we weren't able to do before and able to do them at a much more profitable uh, model than, than ever before. So we're really excited about it. You know, it's interesting how you bring the meshing of digital and hospitality and how you're giving back to the hospitality community. Uh, I, I just want to recognize you for that and, and kudos for sharing your learnings. You know, that's what this industry is all about. And you've seen some of these macro trends with off-premises in the restaurant industry. What, as you continue to pivot, you know, I see some stuff that you've done and, and have read the stuff that you've done with family meals and alcohol to go. Um, what are more trends? Because you seem to be on the edge and cutting edge of these things. What are you seeing as the pandemic continues that operators could be enhancing their restaurants with? You know, I think one of the, you know, the most important things and, you know, to address the elephant in the room, a lot of people talk about coronavirus and all the struggles, and there are a lot of restaurants that are struggling, and you know we feel for them. But the restaurants that are winning and the brands that are winning, not just restaurants, um, caterers, people that are vendors, they understand that people are on their smartphones. So understanding that they're on their smartphones, accepting that they're on their smartphone, and being where people are allows you to listen to your customers, allows you to listen to your vendors, allows you to understand what the landscape is. But specifically to your question, how are things changing? Well, things are changing that existing restaurants, existing caterers, people that have been in the business, what is very difficult is to go back to startup phase you know, back to, for us to go back to 2008 when we didn't have a business, you know, we've built this business and grown from, you know, 300,000 in sales to 3.3 million in sales pre-coronavirus, you know, annual sales. And it's significant for a single unit restaurant, especially located where we're located and doing craft barbecue in San Diego, which is laughable to the rest of the barbecue community. But, you know, we got laughed at, but now we're respected because we learned how to do it the right way. We learned how to do it low and slow. But getting back to how do we get back to what do we do best? We have to get back to being a startup. You know, let's par down our menu. So we focus, we reduce 90% of our menu during coronavirus. Say, well, what do we do best? We do slow smoke barbecue the best. So focusing on that allows us to now build in and use technology to really optimize how do we get more barbecue to more people. So it's not so much about having people come and eat in our restaurant. Obviously, during coronavirus, we haven't opened. On March 17th, we laid off 29 employees. It was the most difficult day running the restaurant uh, for me and my wife, for my general manager. I mean, we're talking servers, bartenders, hosts, all people that are the lifeblood of our hospitality business. But in, as opposed to pivoting, a lot of people talk about a pivot, we doubled down. So what we say is we doubled down on digital. We went all in on digital. So how can we do what we already know is happening? I mean, we host a podcast called Digital Hospitality. This is literally like the thing that we love the most is when it, when it works, it's amazing. And you can create these incredible, memorable moments for guests in ways that we never were able to do before. But how do we double down on that? And how do we maximize 
what we're doing. The only way to do that is to work with our existing technology and look into new technology. So as the coronavirus came, we realized we were doing more sales on holidays than we had ever done when we were open as a full service restaurant for 14 hours. And that's significant. You know, we have a third of a third of the less uh, staff on site, but the technology that we had with our Aloha point of sale system didn't enable us to give that guest experience the way that we wanted. So that's when we made the switch to Toast. And Toast has just been incredible technology to allow us to order things ahead of time. So guests can order before Father's Day, before Fourth of July, before New Year's Eve, and they know that they're going to get their barbecue and then they can get it either delivered or they can get it for pickup. So the biggest thing is we can't discriminate anymore how people get our food. And that's a very exciting thing because that's where all the opportunity is. So as you look back 10 months ago when the coronavirus started, you, your dining room shut down, you pivoted with your POS system to toast, you went double all kind of all in on digital hospitality, if you will. What else have you done in, in those areas and what are some of the things you see other operators today doing to be successful? Well, you have to be where customers are. And I know a sticking point for a lot of restaurant operators is they don't want to get into delivery because of the fees that DoorDash, Grubhub and Uber Eats and Postmates and whatever delivery, third party delivery service. And I get it. I mean, that's it's it's a ridiculous amount of money when you're talking 20 to 30 percent. But ultimately, for us, we don't look at it as a cost. We look at it as an investment into off premise. So that investment, we're going to negotiate the best possible rate we can with each of these vendors. And we're going to do that specifically, not by going exclusive. We were exclusive with DoorDash until the pandemic hit. Once the pandemic hit, we added Grubhub and we added Uber Eats. And then we work our relationships. So we find out which humans in these companies are going to work with us as partners that are going to help us grow our business, giving us a better rate, giving us you know answers to questions, allowing us to update the menu items easily, which partner is going to help us do that. But ultimately, at the same time, we're not going to not be on the platform because not being on the platform means that somebody that's on Grubhub that's looking for barbecue in our area, they're going to go to somebody else or they're not going to get barbecue. And our job is to be where people are and not discriminate how we get how people get barbecue from us. I mean, it, it's about slow food fast. So we're focusing on how do we use technology to essentially optimize for slow food fast, no matter where people are. You know, Sean, that, that's so true. And, and you have to be where the guests are searching, because if you're not on a third party platform, they're just going to go to the next in line. You know, it's a uh, next batter up, so to speak. But my favorite thing to talk about on, on the episodes is catering. And barbecue has always seemed to have such a cool advantage, uh, especially when you do it the way you're doing it. And with the pandemic, and we, we keep talking to this new world order of this pandemic, I'm sure you've, you've lost some opportunities, but you seem to have gained more opportunities in other areas. Can you talk about how you're driving those catering sales and what could operators look for to help them drive more catering sales? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story about when, when we actually started really building our catering business in the restaurant. And that was when we stopped requiring the guests to ask a hostess to see a catering menu and ask a hostess to fill out a catering request form or interrupt a manager during the shift. I mean, building a catering business with staff that are running a restaurant is very difficult to do because you're trying to take care of the guest and then you want to take special attention to somebody that's having a wedding or an event, you know, multiple 
months down the road and it might not even be a sale but if you don't take the time and take care of them what kind of service are you going to provide so what we did early on was um, you know reach out to our web designer and say we want to build all of this online the easier that we make catering on our guest and the easier we make catering on us the more catering our restaurant's going to do so how do we leverage technology to make it as easy as possible for guests to understand I have this much in my budget, how much barbecue can I get? Or I'm feeding this many people, what's it gonna cost? With literally answering those questions through catering request forms, through technology, through uh, you know predictive menu engineering, how can we answer these questions in a way that gives the guests the best experience? Because then they'll wanna come back to us. If it's difficult to order from somebody, I mean, I can't imagine how difficult it is for a lot of single unit restaurants to do catering unless they have a catering program. And I mean, you you gentlemen are the, the professionals and you, you know, and I'm sure you've seen plenty of instances where if you don't have the right systems in place, you can't build. And right now, there's never been a better time to utilize technology, your website to build your catering business. And that's why, you know, catering, there's a blend of what's happening with catering and what's happening with third party delivery and what's happening with on-premise dining. I mean, it's ultimately all the same thing. We talk about our website as our e-commerce platform. So the more that we can offer catering style meals through our Toast Tab website, the more volume that we're going to do. If you go to Panera Bread, you see what Panera Bread's doing. You know, you see what Chipotle's doing. All these incredible brands, they are making catering, ordering in bulk, easy, affordable, and something that is a pleasurable experience for the guest, which means they're going to drive up their ticket averages and they're going to do more business. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir here. So I'm just jazzed to just hear other people doing these things and so glad we came across you. And you know, I, you mentioned earlier about third party and, you know, a lot of people view them as the antichrist. And somebody told me the other day, you know what, if somebody's hungry, they look at DoorDash. If somebody wants barbecue, they go to Cali Barbecue. People have to understand that the customer's not always going to think of your restaurant. They're going to think a third party first because they're hungry and they go there because it's easier, no different than you or I go to Amazon to find products. So I think one of the things you guys are really looking at moving forward is ghost kitchens and how to advance your brand there. So what advice do you have for our audience who may consider looking at doing ghost kitchens? So I know just as you both know, the, the, the hot button topic is ghost kitchens. And there's a reason why it's a hot button topic. Um, you know, before it was food trucks because of the low cost of entry for some food service professional to get out and follow their dream and sell, uh, you know, whatever they want to sell to people. The problem with uh, food trucks is the problem with vending. Vending is the opposite of catering. Vending is a very difficult business. Catering is a beautiful business when it's done properly because you have that sale that's already done. Running a restaurant, you have to take care not just of the guest one time, you have to build a generational guest. So what's going to happen with ghost kitchens is people are going to rush and flood the market so that okay, it's a burger in San Diego. There's no burgers in downtown San Diego. So we're going to open up a ghost kitchen to get capture that burger sale on Grubhub and on DoorDash and on Uber Eats. Okay, that's great. But if you don't do a great job with that burger, if you don't give them quality burger and great digital hospitality, why would they order it from you again? So the idea that we talk about is building friendly ghost kitchens. It's sharing the experience and letting the guests know that we're not smoking the meat actually at our downtown San Diego ghost, ghost kitchen location, we're going to be smoking it 
in Spring Valley, where our master smokehouse and media center is going to be so that we're going to share that experience online, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, so that people know it's smoke fresh daily. Once it's out, it's out. But it's not a hidden transaction thing. There's a heart behind the brand. There's a human behind the brand. There's pitmasters. There's hospitality professionals that are giving this experience so that people are excited about it. And no matter how they get it in downtown San Diego or if they pick it up before they go to a Padres game, they're going to be excited about it. And they will share the story as well on social media, which only helps perpetuate and help us grow our brand. You know, that's some great points and something for our listeners to really think about. What type of mistakes do you see operators making in today's environment when they're just trying to survive? I think there's a lot of this going on right now where, where they're, they're making some decisions but not fully thinking it through because they're just in the survival mode. The thing that we talk about every single week, we can't, I mean, we can't avoid it. Every podcast I go on is there's nothing is more important than your own website, your mobile first website, investing in the technology that will help you into the future. This has nothing to do with coronavirus. This has to do with a digital future. And if you don't invest in your website, if you don't fix your point of sale technology, if you don't make things easy online and mobile first for your guests, it will be very difficult for you to do business. So unfortunately, I see a lot of restaurant owners working at, you know, building outdoor dining and, you know, just trying to, how do we get back to normal? We can get back to, we wouldn't be in the business if we didn't love people, if we didn't love taking care of people. The hospitality was a peep that will all come back. But what will also be into the future is digital. Nobody's going to go and turn in their smartphone and go back to a flip phone. It's just not happening. You know, it's easier and easier for people to use technology, to use Alexa, to order things, to, you know, have your Bluetooth in your car. The technology is all around us and it creates these, you know, these moments where you realize, well, I, the most valuable thing I have is time. So I'm going to reward the companies that give me the best experience and they give me time back and I will pay for that. Just like we all pay for Amazon Prime. They're driving all over your neighborhood right now and probably dropping off a package at my wife's house. You know, you know, Sean, you bring up a really good point. People are yearning for that customer experience. And as soon as they feel comfortable to come back, you know, I notice it in, in my own restaurants and in my friends' restaurants, people are yearning for that conversation, that experience. And even if it's that three minutes when they're getting their bag at pickup, the better experience that you can make, A, as you you so well pointed out, using technology, right? If it's seamless, easy to use, the website, the mobile phone. But then when they get to your restaurant and you embrace them and, and and they can take that moment of time out of their basement, room, office, wherever, wherever they're 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 held up right now, people are yearning for that. I, I think that that's gonna come back sooner and greater than ever. And as soon as people feel safe, I think they're going to be enjoying all these different stories that they've learned and, and experiences and, and want to eat out more. So uh, I, I can't be more in line with you when you when you talk about that. But that's a great point about having your digital and social lined up for that. You know, one of the other things that you talked about was um, technology. And I heard a term the other day called Frankenstack as a reference to old dated technology, you made the switch from one POS vendor to Toast. What are some of the critical elements that you see in a tech stack that restaurants should have today? 
you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny to, to, to do what we do and to live and breathe this digital hospitality thesis and to have, you know, people reach out to me that have new technology that they think is great for a restaurant owner. I mean, we're vetting all different types of technology. It seems like multiple times a day, if not multiple times a week, you know, um, the most important thing, like I said, the most important thing is your website. You own your website. You know, as much as we love social media and we advocate for social media and posting content on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter and TikTok, I mean, the way that we break down the internet, it's easy. It's, it's audio, it's video, it's written word, and it's images. And we're just doing digital storytelling. We tend to overthink digital marketing. We overthink social media marketing. That's all we're doing. And once somebody that's listening to this podcast, once they look at that smartphone and instead of getting anxiety, they embrace the fact this is the greatest gift that we've ever been given. We have a media machine in our pocket and we can tell whatever story we want about our business, about our brand, about why we spent all of our, all this blood, sweat, and tears to, to live out our dream, to build our catering business or build our restaurant business. Tell your customers, tell the people that are following you on your personal Facebook page. By doing that, you've empowered them to continue to support you. There's never been a time where so many people want to support the independent business owner, like advocating for it, literally legacy media looking for stories of how do we support local business owners. Um, that is crucial. The other tech stack is taking care of your point of sale. Obviously, we, you have to have a primary technology partner and our primary technology partners toast. Um, you know, we've only been with them since September and we continue every single day to be more impressed with the tools that they give us um, to use for rewards, the tools that we're able to do with online ordering, the tools that we can do with real time data. Um, it's it's very exciting because it's enabling us to live out that digital hospitality thesis. Uh, we just integrated with uh, Ovation, and I know you've had Zach Oates, the CEO of Ovation, any restaurant owner or even caterer that's listening to this. It is one of the greatest pieces of technology we have added to our restaurant, and we've only been using it for three weeks. For three weeks, we have gotten more customer feedback, enabling us to fix mistakes, to interact directly through a text message with the customer, my manager on duty. So the Ovation gives you, it's two questions. It's a guest survey. We staple it to every bag. So no matter if you order from Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash, if you order through Toast and come and pick it up, every single customer gets a bag. And on the bag, it's a postcard. And the postcard has two questions. It has a QR code for two questions, or you can text to answer two questions to, for a chance to win a $100 gift card. So it's four emojis. Either it's a great or it's anything less than great. If it's anything less than great, the text message will go to my manager on duty. Hey, you forgot our coleslaw. So now they're text, the customer is texting directly with the manager on duty. So the manager on duty can say, we're very sorry. Um, would, can we send you a, a gift card? They can send a virtual gift card next time. The person that's interacting, they have this, oh my goodness moment. I can't believe that I'm actually talking to the restaurant and they're fixing it. Because what do they have to do before? Before they would contact DoorDash, get a credit for the coleslaw. They're not happy. DoorDash isn't happy. And then we don't get that money. So we're not happy. 
Now we've resolved the complaint. We've done it in a way that is using technology to its best capabilities. And now somebody's going to be a brand advocate and we're getting the data to know that, hey, we keep forgetting the coleslaw. Let's fix our operational procedures to make sure that we give the guests uh, the best experience going forward. So Ovation's just phenomenal. I highly uh, suggest go back to listen to that episode with Zach Oates. But uh, he lives the digital hospitality thesis and he's creating technology that is uh, empowering people like us to uh, to take care of the guests better and to give to give memorable moments. Yeah, I'm going to dive down that rabbit hole a little deeper because you brought uh, Zach and Ovation up and I'll give you a little bit on, on my side. Uh, again, I'm a franchisee of Witch Witch and I have a drive through in my restaurant, thankfully, these days. But I, I realized nine months ago that the old guest survey on the receipt wasn't cutting it because there's nobody eating in my restaurants anymore. And I wasn't sure how we were doing with the food going out the door because it was being eaten away from the restaurants. And so I actually kind of have a two pronged approach. One, I use the ovation cards for my drive through and all my third party orders. And then I have uh, an automated survey with a company called Tattle that goes out on all my Olo orders. So I have two different approaches to this. And what I have found is one, just like you did, uh, it's so awesome to be able to just get a text alert on your phone. Uh, my wife may not like it when I just literally drop everything I'm doing to get back to that guest, but the guests are wowed. And then we can get them back. They, they, it's called win back with them. The second piece that I realized out of that piece with Ovation, though, is that people can opt into your marketing. So it's just one more way to get people in and build a database. And I can tell you this this morning, I'm launching a virtual brand out of my own restaurant. So I hit up all those people with my new company coming out and saying, hey, you know, order wings from us because they're available now. And so I, I hadn't even thought of that as a strategy. But I cannot stress enough, nor can you, I think, Sean, how important it is to get guest feedback with all the business going off premise like it is today. So uh, kudos to Zach, kudos to you guys for doing this kind of stuff, because so many people are putting that on the back burner. Any other thoughts you have around uh, guest feedback or anything else you're hearing beside order accuracy these days? Yeah, I mean, just one of the most powerful things that we're learning is that, I mean, there's multiple tiers of a digital guest, right? You have fans and then you have super fans and then you have, you know, the the people, the super fans are the people that have actually spent money in your restaurant or spent money on your catering services. You know, that email means a lot more than an email that I've generated on Instagram, you know, with a promoted post or just an engaging post where someone came and they got something from our website. We've, we, we've loved email marketing. I mean, we've been doing it since we opened in 2008, even though we've been doing it that long and we've tried very hard to build our list. We only have 8,500 email addresses just by implementing toast since September toast alone has gotten us 2,500 email addresses. It's mind blowing statistics. Like if we had toast, which they didn't exist in 2008, but if we had toast, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of email addresses from people that actually spent money in our restaurant. Wow. That's a huge increase. And, and, and that is just liquid gold in our industry. Cause we, we talk about, you know, that, that acquisition of the customer, right. And having all that data and to be able to increase is, is unbelievable. So kudos to you guys on, on really diving into that. Now, I know you're a big believer in the digital advertising world. Are you doing that advertising yourself? Have you hired an agency? You know, what are some of those tricks and trades that have helped get your story out more into that digital hospitality space? 
Yeah. So, I mean, really what we advocate for is I know a lot of people don't have the same DNA type as me where they want to touch it, feel it, taste it to figure out if it works or not. Um, literally, I've been doing it in order to keep the rest. I mean, I, I think that's why we're in the position we're in now is that if we had opened and we were in a place in downtown San Diego and we were successful in 2008, 2009, I wouldn't have relied as heavy as I did on all these social media apps on digital marketing and social media marketing. But because of the location, we just kept going all in and trying to learn as much as we can. And the thing that's intimidating is just because we've learned for the last 13 years how to do what we do, tomorrow's going to be different. <laughs> Tomorrow, a new app might come out, an algorithm might change. But you know what we do advocate for is people starting to understand that the most powerful tool that they have is in their pocket. It's the smartphone. Whether, whether you have an iPhone or you have a different smartphone, it doesn't matter. All you need to do is learn how to get over your fears and start producing content with the video app. So if you can produce a video, if you can talk to the camera, if you can have your wife or your husband or your, somebody that works at your restaurant hold the phone for you, vertical or horizontal, it doesn't matter, and talk to the camera for, for less than one minute, most of the social media platforms will, will uh, not only want it, but they will reward it. They will reward that content and more importantly, your customers will reward it. It's very hard to do. I go on lots of podcasts. I go on restaurantowner.com webinar. I had a lot of feedback from operators just wondering, well, what are people going to, people are going to judge me. You know, I live in a small town and if they see me posting, you know, some intimate video on, on Facebook about my catering business, you know, they're going to judge me when I go to the grocery store. And I tell them they've already judged you. <laughs> they already judged you because you opened up a catering business. Now you're just top of mind. You know, and I and I think that's the thing with most operators today is they're so self-conscious of that video that it's not perfect. And you know what? The ones that are winning are telling the real story. We're not perfect at what we do, but we're sharing. And if we care and we're providing that story and that digital hospitality, I have seen it over and over with, with my friends who do it and they don't do it well, but they do it and their customers come in and they appreciate it because it makes that connection. And when you have a connection to your guest, you're always going to win, right? Good, bad, or indifferent. As long as you're trying for the right reasons and you're trying hard and you're putting your best foot forward, you just got to dive into the deep end of the pool. And, you know, I, I wasn't a podcast host before I had the opportunity at Foodable and I stumbled the first few episodes quite a bit, but I love it. I'm happy to be here. And that's just part of our, our personality with TJ and I. And, and, and I can't uh, thank you enough for saying that. And I hope that motivates somebody as they're listening to this to take that away, to, to get in front of it and go for it. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, kudos to you guys for giving back by, by podcasting. And I had the same podcasting journey. It's, it's terrifying. You know, when, when I first started getting opportunities to go talk on local, local news or local radio about barbecue, I'm not the barbecue guy. I, Gene Goykachea, he's our pit master. He's my mentor. He's the one that taught us low and slow barbecue. He's the one that taught me how to put on an amateur barbecue contest, a professional barbecue contest. But I got over my fears and realized no one was going to tell the Cali barbecue media story better than I was. You know, stick to your strengths, do what you do, be accountable, be vulnerable, 
But ultimately, think about what you see on social media that you like and you don't like. What makes you stop and go, I'm going to listen to that or I'm going to watch that or I'm going to read that? Like we all know when you see a social media agency post something on social, they're literally just checking a box to say, hey, I posted something on Instagram. It's not engaging. It's, you know, it's the, it's the special of the day. It's not, there's nothing about it that makes you go that I want that. Video changes all of that. Now you're giving context. Now you're telling the story of the people behind your brand. Everybody buys from people. That's right. And, and, and one person told me one time, the number one thing in sales is people buy from people they like. Yep. And if they like you and they embrace you and you're authentic and you're, and you're telling that story, it just, it goes so much farther. All right. I've got to pivot this conversation because I've got two burning questions. I want, I want to talk how you, how you won number one cocktail of the year. Uh, for 2020, <laughs> I, 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 I got, I got to get into the food a little bit cause, cause I'm sitting here just craving barbecue, um, in my little home podcast office here in Chicago. And I'm just craving some Cali barbecue and, and our, our guests got to hear two things. One, talk about the 2020 winning uh, America's best cocktail. And the second is if you can share and talk about your success with family meals, because here in a year ago, we we interviewed our friends over at Google and they talked about how that was the number one trend, number one thing to look at. And I want to hear how Cali Barbecue is doing. So that's that's my two part question to you. Talk about the cocktail and if you could talk about the family meals. You got it. So, I mean, there, there's never been a bigger shift for somebody that owns a liquor license in multiple states. I mean, the pandemic has allowed these states to ease up regulations, which I never thought would happen in California, where Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control is allowing, if you serve food, you're allowed to sell cocktails to go. Right when the news came out, we used social media the same way that we do. And we just shared the story in our feed on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter and LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control said that we can sell alcohol to go now. Do you guys want to buy alcohol from us? And of course, it was a resounding yes, absolutely. Please hurry up, make the cocktail. And well, what would you like us to, to make? And it was, we want you to make the fish bowls. So we serve a, a fish bowl, which is a, a two-person drink that we put a rubber ducky in. We call it a, an adult happy meal, but it's, you know, it's Mai Tais and, um, margaritas and you name it, we have a bunch of specialty cocktails, but they wanted that to go. So we said, let's, okay, let's do that. Let's find the right packaging. We found, you know, a company in San Diego that did growlers, um, which is for craft beer, you know, essentially filling up craft beer to go um, in a glass growler. But that eventually evolved during coronavirus. And what we did was we used our fans to ask them, what should we make? And we pulled during the beginning of the pandemic when Tiger King was blowing up all over Netflix and through popular culture and late night TV and everywhere on social media. Um, Tiger King was it was a, this hilarious reality show on Netflix. And we said, should we make a Tiger King cocktail? And of course, again, another resounding yes. And that was such a popular cocktail that we had people dressing up as Carol Baskins, one of the one of the figures in in the show, literally driving across the county, driving for forty five minutes to come, buy the drink, take selfies with the drink, share the videos, 
and um, Restaurant Hospitality, they put out a contest for best cocktail in America, and we submitted it, uh, the Tiger King cocktail, and we ended up winning, uh, being one of the top 10 cocktails of the year. And if you look at the other cocktails, <laughs> ours is definitely a lot different. <laughs> the other cocktails are typically what you would see in one of those uh, polls. And, and and I just love how you have a paired and and you just take it to that whole next level and you know you add the duckies and you just make it fun right you make it fun for everybody, so that that is that is a very cool story and and something that people should think about because a lot of the states have opened up cocktails to go so people should take a look at that menu and get some inspiration. Um, so the second part of my question was family meals. Yeah. So family meals, our number one thing that we've always sold since we became a barbecue restaurant. So we opened in 2008. We went all in on barbecue in 2010. Uh, we switched from actually Cali Comfort to Cali Comfort Barbecue. And what we did early on was we looked at what typical barbecue restaurants do. And what they do is when they have a family, like a platter, like the combo meal, they would always leave off the most expensive meat. So they would leave off ribs and leave off brisket. Like you, you, sometimes you could add them and it would be an upcharge, but we said, why don't we just make one meal and we'll make it for tailgaters because we were tailgaters in blood, charger season ticket holders. Um, we go to San Diego Gulls. It's our amateur hockey team. We have a lacrosse team, the Seals, Padres, huge fans. So we, we live a tailgating lifestyle. It was, let's take care of a family, three to five people. Let's give them all of the best meats that we have. So all of our slow smoke meats, our ribs, our brisket, our pulled pork, our tri-tip, our chicken, give them all of our sides, our wedding beans, our mac and cheese, our coleslaw, our potato salad, and give them jalapeno cheddar cornbread. Make it into one easy meal. That way, when people come, they get the platter. Somebody might like pulled pork more. Somebody might like the ribs more. And next time they come back, they can order what they want or they can get the family style platter. That was so successful in-house, but now, especially during coronavirus, now that we're a digital restaurant, it's unbelievable how many family-style meals we sell because people are at home and they're quarantined. And people, it's the most cost-effective way to order barbecue from our restaurant. You can feed the most amount of people by ordering the tailgater. Um, and it's just been it's been phenomenal. I actually have to give a shout out to my producer uh, Stover, the producer of our podcast, and he runs all of our Cali Barbecue Media, writes our blog posts. But he's the one that um, made us a landing page for family meals, specifically for the Google information. So we have a family a landing page on our website for family meals, and that's essentially a search engine optimization hack. But that allows people that are searching for family meals for the landing page to come up. But it's still just a direct link to our toast. Um, order ordering site. So that's a little landing page hack for, for people. But yes, it is very, very important to take care of family. And that's essentially what it is. You know, it's how do we create micro catering meals? You know, I would have thought when I started this podcast that somebody from Texas would never be able to learn anything about barbecue from some guy in California. <laughs> well, I don't know about, I don't know if I'm going to teach him barbecue, but I could teach him some barbecue media tricks. <laughs> hey, I, I'm hungry as all get out. So that's what matters now. Um, what, what final advice do you have for everybody to get through this current situation? Anything you haven't covered yet? And then Sam and I'll give you our takeaways. We'll kind of wrap this up. Yeah. I mean, the, the advice that we have is, um, you know, stay curious, 
get involved and ask for help. So the good news is if you're listening to this podcast, you've already checked off box one. You wouldn't listen to a podcast if you weren't curious. You wouldn't be listening to both of you gentlemen who have a wealth of knowledge and the guests that you bring on. I mean, I just have so much respect for what you guys are doing with this podcast and that foodable. But you're, you're curious, like you're curious because you want to be better. So that's great. But then you have to get involved. You know, now you actually have to take some of the advice. You have to make that 60 second video and you actually have to post it. You know, we already talked about the four things of the internet. It's the video, audio, written word, and images. The other four parts of being a digital storyteller is the four P's, which is you plan, you produce, you publish, and you promote. So you've got to be good at all of those things. And not everybody's good at all those things. I'm at, nobody's actually good at all those things, but you have to do them. So you can think about it, but then you actually have to produce the content. You take the video and then you go, okay, well, do I sound like that? Do I look like that? Am I like for me, I'm 70 pounds overweight. I have to deal with that as a separate issue, but that doesn't prevent me from hitting publish or hitting post. You have to hit post. You have to hit publish. And guess what? Somebody might not see the video and that's okay. And the next day you do it again and you do it again, but then you learn and there's never been a better time to ask for help. There's so many incredible people that are giving free advice on blogs, on YouTube, on podcasts, industry forums, and you can reach out. I mean, there's never been so many thought leaders that are so accessible because of direct messages. You know, you can follow me on Instagram at Sean P. Walchef and send me a direct message. Let me know. I'm more than happy to, to help out in any way that I can. You know, Sean, you've just got me so excited today and and you hit the nail on the head of why I love this industry because we compete on the street for the customer, but outside of that, we're all in this together to help people rise and, and get to that next level. And it has just been a privilege to have you on today. And I'm starving for barbecue. I think that's what I'll be eating for dinner tonight. I want to get to San Diego and and come and hang out with you for a day or two and, and maybe go do some tailgating one of these days. So we'll definitely have to put that on the calendar. But as I walk away from today's episode, you know, the, the way you talk about the digital hospitality is something that everybody needs to put into their vernacular and, and to really grasp it. And if they just start with those four P's that you talked about with planning, promoting, publishing, and producing, take those four pieces and apply them and just try it. There's no cost to trying it. And if somebody makes fun of you, there's going to be a hundred people that are going to be in your corner saying, well done. I wish I had that courage to go do it. So really embrace that digital hospitality. Think about being mobile first. Um, I think is my my second takeaway, maximizing that device that's in everybody's hands, that everybody's screen time is up 100% over last year and, and, and truly maximize that and, and get really great content and, and enjoy that. And then the hack of all hacks, and I have to keep talking about, it, I talk about it on so many, is the family meals and making that page to optimize Google with just family meals. Everybody can add a page to their website titled family meals and maximize that. So TJ, those are the three things that I'm taking away. I'm also adding Sean's blog and podcast to my regular review. And if you haven't checked it out, I'm going to put a little teaser. Sean has some of the coolest hats I've seen. (laughs) And and I'm going to be hitting them up for whose embroider is because I need to get some uh, new uh, stylish hats on my bald head. (laughs) So uh, that's where I'm going to walk away from today. 
Yeah, I don't know why I keep letting you go first because then I got to have the hard part of coming up with three more than you did. But I, I think just first and foremost, being out there posting, I know I've learned a lot just to incentivize myself to get through doing more, doing more, doing more. I want to avoid the fifth P, which is pitiful, because I think that's what mine is right now. <laughs> um, so I'm going to just stop being pitiful in regards to creating so much content around the restaurant. I do it for my business, but you know, I, I did a video this morning, sent it out on BombBomb, which I love to do video emails, and I'm loading it, load it on my website and take some of Sean's advice. So you know, I think those are some of the things that that we should be doing. And then I think for me, the, the real big takeaway was one was ovation for, for the audience. And I'm already kind of a user and a disciple of them. And then I think the third piece was just the approach to business in regards to family meals. Don't put your cheap stuff in there. Put what's popular on there because it's going to be profitable. It's not going to make you as much money with one order. But when somebody has your top of the line food items, they're going to be the go-to place for you again and again and again. So it may cost you a few pennies in profit today, but you're going to make tons of dollars down the road with those people. So I learned a ton. I can't wait to get out to San Diego. I know you don't have pro football to tailgate anymore, but hey, I'm in <laughs> Dallas and we don't have pro football either. So um, Sean, where can everybody find out a little more information about Cali Barbecue and what you guys are doing out there? Yeah, so uh, a fun little thing you can do is go to Google and, and search Cali BBQ. And if you go to all the tabs, you can see all the digital content, the digital footprint that we're leaving online. Um, you can also set up a Google alert for yourself. So if you go to Google and put Google alert, it'll allow you go to a page and then you can put whatever you want to get alerted for. And Google will let you know, hey, you know, I want to hear about burgers in Chicago. So burgers are catering in Chicago every single day, curated content. Google will let you know what that is. And that will hopefully incentivize you to understand you need to continue to show up. You need to continue to figure out ways to build your digital profile because that's how people are going to find you. Cali BBQ, you can search that or you can go to our website, calibbq.media, and we'd love for you to check out our podcast. And that's Digital Hospitality on all the podcast platforms. Awesome. Well, we had a great time. We appreciate your time and information and you've shared so much stuff. The audience has got to have a long list of takeaways to do. So again, everybody, thanks again for another great podcast on the takeout delivery and catering show. And we'll see you next week. Make sure to catch the show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you listen to your podcast.